0: sign up you just need to show up man it's a good thing my wife's preaching today because all the words are just gone I just don't have them so you need to show up not sign up for grow group leader training first service next Sunday in the conference room all right man why was that so hard to get out are you all ready for my wife to come up here and bless you guys Before she does, let me just kind of lay some foundation. We're in this series on the book of James, and this book was written by uh, the brother of Jesus. And uh, if you've ever wondered about the divinity of Jesus, I think this book, this letter that James wrote was one of the greatest testaments that Jesus was the Christ because Jesus convinced his own brother that he was divine, right? You know, and that's because your family knows you best, and I think that's the greatest credit to Jesus that he was the Lord, and so... James writes this, this uh, letter and he writes it to the Jewish believers who are now scattered because they're being persecuted and killed. And, and so he writes them these very, very encouraging words that are very practical in their application and how to live out your lives. In fact, this is called the Proverbs of the New Testament because the Proverbs are a lot of wise sayings. They're, they're things that you can live out and the way you ought to live your life. And so if you're a Christ follower in this house today, this letter is for you as well. And for the last couple of weeks, we've been, we've been over the Bible to see what it has to say about a topic. But we're going through James one chapter at a time. And so well, the last two weeks, we've been in chapter 1 and chapter 2. And this Sunday, we're going to be in James chapter 3. This one's a special chapter for me because as I was growing up in sixth grade, my teacher, uh, Ruth Ann Myers was her name. And she, she had a special something she would do for a kid who could not stop talking and control their tongue, because that's what chapter three is all about. In fact, the message is called Taming Your Tongue. And so she would, she would, if you couldn't stop talking in class, she would assign you to write out James chapter three, the entire chapter, the entire, and if you were especially bad, she would open up the Amplified Version, which is a much longer version of the Bible, and make you write that one out. And so this, this one is, uh, is one of my favorite chapters. I am so thrilled and excited, though, to turn this, uh, turn this time over to my wife. She's going to bring the message, talk about James chapter three. Please welcome her to the stage as she comes.
1: Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Mother's Day. It is truly my honor and privilege to be up here with you this morning. Um, but I have to say, it almost didn't happen for two reasons. The first reason is a few months ago, Aaron asked me to speak for Mother's Day. And I was like, sure, yeah, I can do that. No problem. And almost immediately, I felt like God laid something on my heart to share. And I felt like I was supposed to talk about how we specifically, as women, talk to each other. And kind of have a tendency to tear each other down sometimes. And I was like, oh, yeah, that would be good. So then, then Aaron comes to me and he says... So, Mother's Day falls in the middle of a series that we're going to do. Can you just do that week of the series? And I was like, okay, sure. Let me know what it's about. And he sends me some verses and some notes. And I don't even remember what the topic was because for weeks I looked at it and I was like, I have nothing. I don't know what I'm going to say about this. I don't feel like this is connecting with what I was supposed to say. I don't know what to do. I think I'm going to have to ask Aaron to find somebody else to speak. And so right before I go to him, he comes to me, and he was like, actually, would you mind if I change the series? And I was like, oh, tell me more about that. <laughs> <laughs> and without me having to say anything, Aaron says, I think we need to do this series on the book of James. And I was like, okay, and what would my week be? And he was like, it would be chapter three, It's about taming the tongue and the words that we speak. And I was like, come on, Jesus. You're just showing off. And then the second reason that today almost didn't happen for me is because when I started studying the book of James, not only was I super convicted because, wow, I have a lot of work to do, (laughs) but the very first verse says, I'm sorry, I just lost my place. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Well, I don't know about you, but that made me just want to sit back there with you guys and not get up here. Um, so, you know, if you guys think that church planning is just so much fun and, you know, it's just awesome and all good things, know that that's what we have to look forward to, right? So you don't have to judge us. God's already doing a stricter job anyway, so that's all right. But if you move on, uh, James verse 2, chapter 3, verse 2, he says, we all stumble in many ways. How encouraging is James? We all stumble. But it just puts us all there together, right? So the Greek word stumble just means to sin. It's when we mess up. It's when we miss the mark. It's when we don't hit what God's best is for us. So all of us will probably find that in some way or another, we fall into one or more categories, that was me, of how we use our words that might be sin. So what does James say about it? Well, he says that our words are hard to control. Amen? All right. And some of you guys are checking out already. You're like, is she going to tell us not to use swear words? Because I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. And just calm down. That's not really what James is talking about. I mean, it might be if that's what God's talking to you about. But let's just focus on what he's saying here. And I apologize for the bluntness of this message because that's just who James is. He, is, he pulls no punches. He just tells it like it is. And so... That's just how this message is. It may not be super funny, but it is a great message, uh, and I'm sure we can all have something out of it that we can learn from today. So reading on, he says, anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. And when he says perfect here, he doesn't mean faultless or sinless kind of perfect. He means Sure. Our words can show our maturity and our health. Well, how do our words show our maturity? Well, that's easy if you've ever been around a two- or three-year-old. They can make poop humor funny, right? So, for instance, we had some friends, and their little boy, when he was about three, coined the phrase, poopy hot dog. And I don't know where he got that, but everything that he answered was, Poopy hot dog. And because he was three and oh so cute and had this big smile when he said it, we all would giggle because he's three and we don't expect a lot of mature words from him. But it would be like, Hudson, do you want to go to the park? Poopy hot dog. Hudson, do you like your new toy? Poopy hot dog. Now, that became less funny when my children, who were seven, eight, or nine, maybe even ten at the time, were saying that to me. Hey, uh, Tyler, I'm going to need you to go clean your room. Poopy hot dog. Was not as cute. I expected a little more maturity out of his words. And it especially wasn't as funny when my husband would answer that way. (laughs) Erin, can you do a load of laundry for me? Poopy hot dog. It's not as cute. It was not as cute. (laughs) Our words display our maturity and our health. If, if you look at the tongue, for example, where we give our words, our tongue can display a lot of what's going on inside. A lot of holistic doctors can look at your tongue and based on what color it is or the coating or bumps or whatever, they can say, oh, well, you have such and such going on, maybe a vitamin deficiency, maybe poor sleep habits, uh, maybe... Via Even emotional health, like depression and things like that. Do you know your tongue can even become black and furry? That's so gross. So gross. But moving on, there are lots of ways that our tongues show how unhealthy we are on the inside. And the same is true of the words that we speak. You know, we all know a Debbie Downer. I don't know if you've ever seen that SNL skit, but it is one of my favorites especially the one where they go to Walt Disney, <laughs> and they're so excited, and, and they're like, oh, we get to see Mickey. We get to take our picture with Mickey in his costume, blah, 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 blah. And they're all so excited, and then Debbie Downer comes along, and she says, well, he's probably showing the first signs of heat stroke, and then the horn plays behind her. Blah, blah. So we all know someone that probably needs that horn to just follow them around, and every time that they talk, it's just Because they always have to bring it down. Or maybe someone who just cannot tell the truth no matter what. It is just like even inconsequential things. Or maybe they manipulate with their words. However, there's lots of different ways. But when we have good internal or spiritual health, we have good words to say. And those good words can affect our outlook and our perspective for our lives. James goes on to say, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. So what is he saying here? He's saying that our words direct our lives. So my question for you today is, are your words directing your life in a way that you would be happy for it to go? Although our tongues or our words are very small like the ship, it turns our life which way we go. When I went on my very first missions trip, we learned a phrase, that's just the way I like it. And why was that important for us to learn? Because when you're on a missions trip, there's a lot of things that aren't necessarily in your comfort. You know, we went to Belize, it was hot. It was the hottest place I have ever been. I felt like I was on the sun. The whole entire time, we sweat, the whole entire time. But when someone was tempted to complain, we just turned around and said, that's just the way you like it. That's just the way I like it. And it changed our attitudes. It changed our hearts about it. You know, uh, or when we were in El Salvador and we were mixing concrete and doing all this heavy work, it was hard work. It was hard work. It was hot. It was hard work. But it was just the way we liked it. Right, Dia? All the rebar. (laughs) Or Aaron's preached a message where he said it this way. Everything you say, end it with, and that's the way I want it. So are you going to say, you know, my finances are in big trouble. I am broke. I'm in debt. And that's the way I want it. Or my kids are hanging out with the wrong crowd. They're getting into trouble. They're acting like a fool. And that's the way I want it. I've always been overweight. I could never have self-control and discipline to eat, right and exercise, and that's the way I want it. Our reality is our words direct our lives. But if we learn to change the words that we speak, it will change our thinking and what we believe and can ultimately change our lives for the better. And we all need to learn to say something. If you want to see it, you have to say it. If you want to see it, You have to say it. What would happen if you took the time to find one of God's promises and speak those words over your life instead of staying in the negative? What if every time that you were letting fear or anxiety stop you from doing something that you felt like God had called you to do? What if you said, well, that is a little scary, but God did not give me the spirit of fear, but of power, or what if you said, my financial situation is not where I want it to be, but my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches. My kids aren't acting out right now, but I believe both me and my household will be saved in the name of Jesus, and they will know him by his saving grace. You know, I have been struggling with eating healthy, but self-control is the fruit of the spirit, and his spirit lives in me, so I will pass up those temptations. And maybe you're sitting here and saying, Shanda, that's great, but I haven't even read my Bible yet, and I don't know what God's promises are. Well, you can start today. Simple Church has an app, and there's a read your Bible in a year plan. It's it's really easy. The NLT version makes it plain language, easy to understand. And if that's still too overwhelming for you, Google. Google will find any verse about anything that you need. What does the Bible say about fear? Voila. It's easy. <clears throat> you know, one negative thing that I hear occasionally at church is, well, I, I'm new here. I don't really know a lot of people yet. And they just stay there. What if you changed what you said with, with well, I am new here, but Aaron speaks about growth track every single Sunday instead of just saying, I don't know a lot of people say, I am going to go to Growth Track. I will new, meet new people by serving. That's a great way to meet people. Or if he said, he also talks about grow groups every single Sunday. And those are getting ready to start up soon. What if instead of sitting there all alone, you say, You know, I haven't met a whole lot of people yet, but I'm going to join one of those grow groups that Aaron's talked about, and I'll meet some people there. If you want to see it, you have to start saying it. Change the words we speak. James goes on to say, Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire. And it itself is set on fire by hell. Welcome to Simple Church, where we give encouraging and uplifting messages. I already warned you that James is blunt and says it like it is, and this is what I was talking about. But our words can destroy our relationships. And since it's Mother's Day, I just want to take a moment to speak to some of the ladies, all the ladies. You know, I think as women... Society has something to say about every part of our lives. She's too fat, she's too thin, it's, no one's ever perfect. I've also seen people say that people, someone was overweight and then they, she lost a lot of weight and then, but now she looks kinda weird, she's too skinny now. Like there's, there's no like, just congratulations. Are you happy, yes, congratulations. Or how we become mothers. Someone has th- something to say about how we become mothers. It all looks very differently, but we always have something to say about it. Oh, well, she, she had to have a C-section. Like having a major abdominal surgery is the easy ticket out. It's not, it's not. You, you don't get a trophy for doing it one way or the other. You still get sleepless nights and a baby, okay? <laughs> Or how about breastfeeding versus bottle feeding? How about you haven't slept in six weeks? You got up and fed your baby. High five. Okay? (laughs) Let's encourage each other. What if when we saw the mama at the store whose kid was just throwing a fit? You know that's not her finest hour. You know she's not enjoying her day right there. I was at Aldi a few weeks ago, and I was unloading my groceries, and the whole entire time I was unloading my groceries, this woman in the car had a child beside of us, and that kid was throwing an epic fit. Epic, and she, she kept trying to talk him down, but at that point, it's like hostage negotiations, you know? <laughs> and I finished putting my groceries away, And as I'm taking the cart back to go get my quarter, I thought, I feel like she just needs some encouragement. So as I get back in my car, I'm driving away, I just roll the window down and I was like, keep up the good job, mom, you're doing a good job. She was like, thank you. (laughs) And I hope that that made her day just a little bit brighter because I know in that moment, she probably felt a little defeated. But the Bible says in Proverbs, the tongue has the power of life and death. There's never anything neutral that comes out of our mouths. We're we're either giving life or taking it. You're either building up or you're tearing down. We often speak death over our marriage, our children, our careers, and then wonder why things aren't the way we want them. sure we have to correct our kids or our spouse or even a friend at times, but how we do it is important. I don't think any time that you, you know, look at your kid, they've messed up, they've made a mistake, and you're like, you're such an idiot, why would you do this? I can't believe you could be so stupid. Has anyone said that to a kid, and they look back at you and say, thank you for bringing my, that to my attention, how big of an idiot that I am? I think I will grow up to be a well-adjusted happy child now. Or look at your spouse. You have you never take the trash out when I ask you to. You are right. I have never once taken the trash out when you asked me to. And I don't even know where I came up with the example cuz you don't take out the trash the kids do. But anyway, <laughs> we we use those phrases you never, you did and we tend to speak death instead of speaking life in those situations. So we need to learn how to control our words and tame the tongue. So let's see what James the encourager says about taming the tongue. He's not very encouraging. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. And that includes the people who cut you off in traffic, Or don't treat you like you might want to be treated. It includes those people made in his likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Ouch. I know I was super convicted many times when I was reading through James chapter 3. I remember a time, not here at Simple Church, but when we went to our old church, that Aaron and I were fighting so bad on the way to church that he pulled the car over, got out, and walked home. But me being the holier one, I went on to church. (laughs) And I stood there the whole time like, praise the Lord, everybody. But the whole time in my head, I was not saying nice things about Aaron. Or how many times do you leave here and you don't even make it out of the parking lot before you're cussing somebody out because you were supposed to pull out or they pulled out in front of you or whatever. It happens. When we're praising God and cursing people, we have to start by admitting there's a problem. All of us sin with our words. He said we all stumble. We're all in the same boat. It may look differently, but we all do it. Maybe you gossip. Everybody knows that good Christian woman who can put the gossip in a form of a prayer request and act like it's not gossip. (sighs) We need to pray for sister so-and-so. I saw her out with a different man every night this week, and I just feel like the Lord wants us to pray for her right now. (laughs) Or maybe you're hypercritical. Of everyone around you and instead of looking for the best in people you're always looking for the worst in people or even when something good happens you turn it into something negative well I got my bonus check at work but they're gonna take half of it out in taxes so we might as well not even get one maybe you brag or you boast or you're proud with your words Maybe you exaggerate a little bit to get a few extra likes on Facebook. It may look different. And people don't like to say that we have problems. But we do. And we can't change until we admit that there is one. James says, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures, are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. There he goes again. So we have to accept that we cannot change it ourselves. So why is he talking about taming all these wild animals? Well, he's saying it's easier to tame Shamu to do flips or lions to be in a circus or I believe that Jen Bianchi could probably teach her dog to pour her a cup of coffee if she wanted to. If you don't know Jen, she just trains service dogs. But that is all easier than taming our own tongues. We're going to lie, we're going to brag, we're, we're going to sin with our words if we don't get help. You know, no one likes to be told that they can't do something. I'm like, oh yeah, challenge accepted. But James is just describing what a difficult thing it is to do. Nobody likes change. So we have to accept that you cannot change on your own. He says, both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. God's law says you produce what you are. If you're an apple tree, you're not going to make oranges. If you want to be sweet, don't be salty. You can hashtag that. Hashtag don't be salty. But it's a deeper issue. So what do we do? We have to allow Jesus to change our hearts. Luke says in chapter 6, For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Do you ever know people who just like spew venom and then calm down and say, I was just angry, I didn't really mean that. But the Bible says what is in us is coming out of us. What's in our hearts will come out. We all have frustrations, we all have pressures in life, we all have difficulties, And it's easy to let that explode out of us. But it's not a word issue. It's a heart issue. You cannot change what you say until Jesus changes who you are. You know, fresh water can't flow from a salty spring. What is in our hearts controls what we do and what we say. You know, Jesus came and he changed the game of how things went down. And it wasn't so much about following all the rules or the law it was about our hearts and some of you sit here and maybe are hurt or have wounds on your heart that were placed there by someone else so words spoken over you maybe it was a criticism or you didn't feel validated when you should have been or you thought you should have been and now that's affecting what is coming out of your heart. You're just repeating the cycle and speaking death over to, onto every relationship around us. But we can allow Jesus to help our heart issues. You know, a few years ago, I went to a women's conference, and the, the message was probably great. The only part that I remember is she talked about how being overweight was a hindrance in God's purpose on your life, and I let that kind of sink in in my heart, and for a long time, I didn't want to do things like this, like get up here and speak in front of you guys, because I felt like that's all people are going to say, and she said that I'm hindering God's purpose in my life, so I can't do that because I'm not a size two, and, and by no means am I saying I want to stay unhealthy. I am striving to be healthier. I, I do that, but that doesn't mean that God can't use me where I'm at right now. Now, maybe if God was calling me to run a marathon, that might hinder me right now. Please don't. <laughs> But if he did, I would, I would do whatever it took to get there, okay? But I let those words affect my life. And sometimes it's the words we put on our own lives and how those affect us. Such as, I met a couple a few weeks ago. And they were like, oh, we're coming to your church on Sunday. It was you guys. They're here. Because their mom wanted them to Come to church with them. And so I was like, that's great. I'm speaking that day. So I hope that you come back another Sunday when Aaron's preaching because he's much better than I am. And I told Aaron, we left. and I told Aaron what I said. And he was like, stop saying that. He was like, if you weren't good enough to be up there, I wouldn't put you up there. Stop speaking that. Stop saying that. And I was like, this is my whole message, and I just am doing it right now. So trust me, I have to pray about it every day. And this is a good prayer that we can pray. David said in Psalms, May the words of our mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Why is he saying here, if the band was to come back up at this time... Why is he saying here our words and our hearts? Because the two are connected. What is in our hearts will come out unless we admit that we have a problem and we know that we all have a problem because James said we all stumble. We know that we can't change it on our own. So what do we do? We have to ask Jesus to change our hearts. I'm just going to pray. If everybody could just bow our heads. If you're a Christian and you're here today and you're sitting here knowing that you need some help with your heart. So that the words you speak would be life-giving. Can you just raise your hand today? Amen. I got my hand up too. For weeks I've been struggling with this. All right. Well, I'm gonna pray for us. Jesus, just like David, I pray that everything that we think about and say would be pleasing to you. That we would encourage instead of discourage. That we would build up and not tear down that our words would be life-giving and pleasing to you. God, and I just ask that you heal our hearts today. Amen. And with all heads still bowed, if you're here today, and you know you need help with your heart issues, but you don't know Jesus yet, or have a relationship with him yet, can you just raise your hand? All right, amen. So let's just all pray together so that no one prays alone. Repeat after me, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for dying for my sins. Show me what a relationship with you looks like. And begin changing my heart today.
0: Thank you, Jesus. Amen.